0: talking this morning about silence. It's a spiritual discipline. There's a a famous uh, teacher of spiritual disciplines and he was talking about the importance of silence and meditating and listening to God, being quiet. And this person said to him, but every time I try to be quiet, 10,000 things crowd into my mind, 10,000 problems, 10,000 challenges, 10,000 thoughts. And this famous uh, speaker said, well, that's wonderful. That's 10,000 opportunities to return back to God. 10,000 opportunities to return to God. We're talking about our spiritual disciplines, the practices of Jesus, the things he did and the things that we ought to do. The importance of dis- We've talked over these weeks about the importance of discipline, about the importance of fasting, we talked a few weeks ago, the importance of giving, The reality of rewards for seeking to live God's way. The importance of being Christ-like and growing in our faith. And so this week we're going to talk about the idea of silence, or solitude, or meditation. And that might be concerning to a number of you because this is a difficult time we're living in in the world. And perhaps you have had enough of solitude and isolation. Perhaps you feel you've had enough of that being locked away from people, being kept away from people who feel too distant from others, well, don't panic. I'm not going to encourage you this morning to go and join a monastery and lock yourself away. I want to talk this morning about the importance of spending time alone with God, T A W G. time alone with God, not for weeks or days at a time or necessarily Not automatically a purely solitary activity either. Our time alone with God should inspire us and encourage us back into fellowship and community. But spending time alone with God is a vital way of refreshing ourselves, of growing in our faith, of working and hearing the voice of God and coming closer to him. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 30, Isaiah quotes the Lord. He says, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In Quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. The prophet tells the people the word of God saying, you just need to trust and repent and rest in who God is and what God has done and just be quiet and trust him. But God says, but you would have none of it. And the great warning of the book of Isaiah is these people replacing a relationship with God with ceremony, with religion, with hard works. And instead of resting and trusting and repenting and relying on God, they trusted, and worked in, that, trusted in their own good works, in their own righteousness, in their own ceremonies. And that did not work for them. But at the center of our faith, God says, is repentance and rest and quietness and trust. Jesus puts it this way in the Gospels. Jesus says to to his disciples and says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and Humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The yoke is the, the bit of wood that would rest on an ox or a cow or any sort of beast of burden to help pull a, a, a pull a wagon or pull something, pull a a, um, a plow. And if the yoke is properly shaped, it should not scratch or hurt the animal. It should just enable them to do the work. Simply and easily. And Jesus says, my yoke, what I want to lay on you, will enable you to do this. My work, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I like the message translation. Sometimes I like the message translation. I like it in this passage. The message is not really a translation. It's a paraphrase, taking the words of Jesus and the words of the scriptures and turning them into modern English. And I like the way that the writer puts it this way. He quotes Jesus, he paraphrases the words of Jesus like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus calls his disciples to come and walk with him, to go his way, to do things the Jesus way. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. But so often we replace these words of Jesus with the works of religion. We want to impress God. We want to work hard. We want to be righteous and holy in our own sake. And Jesus says, just come and walk with me. Come and hear my voice. Jesus was often in places of silence and solitude, we read in the Gospels, often going off by himself to pray, to get away from the crowds, to reconnect with his Father. Fasting from company, Fasting from noise, fasting from busyness and business. The more I've thought about it uh, over these weeks, fasting was the first thing, the first specific topic we've talked about, but each of the other spiritual disciplines are really about fasting, about giving up something. So fasting initially, fasting from food, fasting from technology, we talked about that, and then last week about giving, or giving is really just fasting from getting to do what I want with my money. Giving is being generous to others instead of being selfish with myself. So it's fasting from selfishness. And this morning we're talking about silence. It's fasting from noise, fasting from the busyness, fasting from the company of the world, of getting away and hearing from Jesus. We see the disciples doing this as well. So In Acts chapter 10, I haven't got that reference there. In Acts chapter 10, we read of the Apostle Peter going up on the roof of a house to pray. He's in, he's in with all these company, all these disciples, all these people. There's things happening, busyness happening. People are coming and going and Peter says, I need to go somewhere and pray. He goes up on the roof, not so that people can see him, because they couldn't, he's on the, all the roofs of the same height, unless they were on their roof looking at him. He had to get away from them. He had to get away from the busyness and the noisiness. And in that situation, he hears from God. I encourage you to read that story in Acts chapter 10. So go and pray on the roof if that's where you need to get away. Or Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, for when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says to get away, to fast from company, to fast from the noise, to shut the door. To have time of silence and solitude alone with God. We live in a busy and noisy world. There's always the TV on in the background, or the radio, or some sort of music playing, or a podcast. There's always somebody somewhere yabbering at us. Jesus says, Turn it off and get away to listen for God's voice. It's in a way of actively listening for God. To make that choice. Spend time in His presence. To deliberately remove ourselves from a time or for a time to get away and hear God's voice. It doesn't have to be an everyday thing, but it should be a regular part of our life. To retreat, to spend time alone with God. Jesus says there are rewards for searching for God. And for searching for his voice. and Paul writes in the book of Acts that we should search and find. We should search for God and reach out for him, though he is not far away. God is not far away. And if we take the chance and take the opportunity to hear his voice, he will speak to us. The kids read to us before from 1 Samuel, the story of Samuel and Eli, the boy sleeping in the tabernacle and hearing the voice of God. The boy Samuel ministered under, before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. They're living in a time where not many people heard the voice of God. Even Eli, the high priest, very rarely heard the word of God speaking to him. And when he did hear the word of God, more often than not, we're told that the prophet, the high priest Eli didn't want to hear God's voice. Because the news that God had for Eli was bad news for Eli and his family. So here is this little boy in the temple, one night in the tabernacle. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, snoozing on the job. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Now, some people will say that he was lying there next to the Ark of the Tabernacle. I think that's stretching the language a little bit. I think that would have been very much forbidden in those days to lie next to the Ark of the Tabernacle. I think that's a very, the Ark of the Covenant, I think that's a bad idea. But he's in the building, in the tent at least, where the Ark, of the Ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am, and got up and ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. They went and lay down. Here is something to notice. This voice that speaks to Eli does not sound like God. It is not trumpets blaring. Samuel! Samuel! It's a voice that Samuel is familiar with. He thinks it's Eli. Sometimes when we want to hear God, we expect to hear trumpets and the deep voice and the heavens to open. More often than not, when we're hearing God's voice, we'll hear something very familiar, even to the point where it'll sound like we're talking to ourselves. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. It happens a third time. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And that's a great encouragement to us that sometimes we listen for the voice of God and we miss it the first time, the second time, the third time. But God keeps on calling. He keeps on calling. Perhaps you've walked away from God and have given up listening for his voice. He is still calling for you. Turn back and try again. The Lord does not run out of breath. Again, he goes to Eli and says, Here I am, you called me. And Eli realized it must be the Lord calling the boy. So Eli told him, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay in his place. This time he's been given an instruction how to respond to this voice of God, how to have a conversation with God, but do you notice he disobeys? What does Eli tell him to say? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And what does Samuel say? Speak, your servant is listening. He misses out the Lord. He's not convinced that it's God speaking to him just yet, I think. I think Samuel's going, hang on, I'm not sure this is God, but speak, I'm listening. But this time we hear that the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. God calls you and speaks to you, He will use your name. Because He knows who you are. He knows exactly who you are. He knows who He's talking to. There are some things to notice from this message from this passage. First of all, this is a solitary act. Oh, the last thing the last verse says The Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm gonna do something in Israel to make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And then he goes on to tell Samuel this amazing message, which is bad news for Eli. And in the morning, Eli says to him, what did the Lord say to you? Samuel goes, I'm not sure you want to hear this. But tells him anyway. If you want to know the rest of that story, I encourage you to read 1 Samuel chapter 3. The Lord calls his name. When Samuel responds, they have a conversation It's backwards and forwards. It's a solitary act, first of all, that Samuel is the one who hears the voice of God and speaks, and speaks backwards and forwards with God. But it's an act of community as well because Samuel didn't know that the voice he was hearing was God. He went and checked with someone who would know. He went and checked with the high priest and said, this is what God is saying to me. And even in the morning, after he's heard this big, long talk from God, he goes and shares that with Eli, with his mentor, with his spiritual father, and says, this is what God is saying to me. And Eli has heard this message as well from other people before, so he knows that it's a message from the Lord. This is a solitary act of listening, but it's also an act of community, where we need to check with each other. So often people think they hear from God and they go off and do something crazy. And it wasn't God at all. It was their own desires, it was their own heart, it was their own passion or lust speaking to them. When we think we hear from God, it's good to check with a trusted person. This is what I'm hearing God saying. What do you think? You think that's right? So a couple of things to say. God will never speak contrary to his word. God, the voice you hear, if it says something that's contrary to the scriptures, don't listen to that word. Don't listen to that voice. It's not from God. God will never tell you to leave your wife and go and marry the sexy girl down the street. Okay? He doesn't do that. All right? If you're hearing that voice from God saying, get rid of that wife, she's too old, go and marry that pretty young thing down the road, that is not God. Okay? And vice versa for ladies. If the voice you're hearing is not saying something that you can imagine Jesus saying, it probably isn't God. So don't go out and start shooting people because you've heard a voice from God. That's not God. That's the enemy. We live in a world where there is deception, there is illness, there is mental illness where people think they're hearing voices that aren't there. We need to check these things in community with each other. saying, This is what I hear God saying. Do you think this is right? I had a um, a chap who I dealt with in a previous congregation and he was talking one day in a pastoral conversation. He says, "I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord to send me a new wife. He'd been separated from his wife. Anyway, we were coming in conversation. He was an older man, must have been, well, probably my age now, so he wasn't that old. <coughs> He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord to send me a new woman. I said, well, what kind of woman would you like? And we had that conversation back and forth. And, and I said, well, what do you think is the problem? Why is he not sending you someone? And We started talking about that. And he goes, well, it's probably because I'm still married to my last wife. I went, what do you mean? He said, oh, we've been separated for 10 years, but we've never divorced. And I went, yeah, well, probably the Lord's not sending you a new wife because you're still married to the first one. You've got some stuff to deal with there, some situations. It was only in that conversation. He'd been yearning and begging God to send him a woman, a beautiful, lovely Christian woman for 10 years. It was only in conversation that we realized that actually there's some things he needs to do first before God can will bless that situation, will answer that prayer. Some things he needed to deal with, some baggage he needed to sort out. <coughs> so he'd been coming to God and saying, God, send me a new wife, and hearing God saying no, but not exploring the answer for the reason for that no. I want to talk this morning about some ways of listening, some active ways of listening, because really silence is about holy listening, about listening to God. And you can tell I haven't preached in a while. I've lost my voice already. I'll blame the COVID. The first thing I'll say is when you're listening to God, it's to be aware of your body. Sometimes we want God to speak to us in words in our ears, but God doesn't always speak in words in our ears. He speaks to sensations in our body. So when you get up in the morning, you could stop and think, now which, which of these are the normal pains that I have? Now I've got a tight muscle here this morning. I don't think that's God talking to me. I think I just didn't stretch before I did something or whatever it is. And if you're, as you get older, you might get more and more pains or arthritis. And just be aware of that. That's just normal. That's fine. But as you're listening to God, sometimes part of your body will start to get hot. Or start to tingle. You'll we'll start to feel a strange sensation. Uh, and that's God speaking to you as a way of saying, maybe someone else is got an illness and you should pray about that person. So if you know someone's got a bad heart and suddenly your heart gets hot, you can start praying for that person who you know has got a bad heart or whatever the situation is. Uh, This happened to me once in a very strange way. I was called into the ICU to pray for a member of my congregation many years ago when I was first starting out pastoring. And this chap was in ICU. He was unconscious. I don't know if he was in a coma or what the situation was. As I stood there praying with him, all of a sudden my lungs became incredibly hot. It was the weirdest sensation. I had no idea what was happening, but my chest became incredibly hot. And I and I just prayed for the man's chest and for his lungs and the whole thing. And then the heat went away from me as I prayed. He didn't get instantly up and better, but a few weeks later he was back with us at church. And it was something in his lungs. The Lord was saying to me, pray specifically for his lungs. So just be aware of that. When you're being silent and listening to God, sometimes God speaks in heat or tingling or electricity running through a part of your body as a way of speaking. Listen to that. Listen to that. We often talk about er journaling or writing to God, so writing out our thoughts, writing out our prayers. I'd encourage you occasionally, if you're doing that, to stop and then think what God might say in response. You can have an imaginary conversation almost. You write your bit and think, well, what would God say about that? Stop and listen. Write out what you think God is saying to you. Now, I'm not saying that it's exactly 100%. You can write out what you think God is saying to you. And then you can go back and read, write some more and have a conversation that way. That's called journaling. Um, I did this for, me, for some years uh, through email because I don't write out things on pieces of paper I can't hardly read my handwriting after a while so I got to a point where I would write, write an email to God I set up an email address which was the Lord God at yahoo.com.au uh, and then I put in a password that I would immediately forget so I could never go back and check the password and read what I'd written and I would write emails to God and send them off because pressing the button send makes it real now, if you're posting a letter, if you need to apologise to someone, write it out on a letter and stick it in the letterbox without an address. It feels better, I, I promise you that. Um, anyway, so I'd send, press send and the email would go off into the ether, and I'd get a message back saying that box doesn't work or whatever. But because I'd set up the email address, it actually went to this place and stayed there. It's locked away in Yahoo forever. Um, and then occasionally I would sit and write what I think God's email response to me would be. That's my way of journaling. God gets this email. What would he say back to that? And that's an exercise in, yes, imagination, but also in listening, and considering the scriptures. A third way of listening to God is what I call scripture strings. <clears throat> um, and I've not heard of many other people who this happens to. This is one of those things that's peculiar, I think, to me. But I encourage you to try it. A scripture string where basically you're sitting, you're spending time with God and saying, God, speak to me, and often a reference will pop into my head. Second Timothy chapter three, verse eight. I'll go, That's very strange. I'll open my Bible to that passage and read it. And sometimes it's random, nonsense. And that means I've made up the reference. Sometimes I open to that bit and find out that chapter of the Bible doesn't have that many verses or doesn't have that chapter, in which case I've misheard or I've made it up. But sometimes God speaks a verse specific to my situation. and I hear this reference and I go, okay, open it up. Wow, that's speaking to me. And then I can respond to God. And I say, now what do you want to say next? And wait again, maybe a few moments later. Another reference will pop into my head. Revelation 6 or John chapter 2, whatever it is. And I have found myself, if I take the time to do this and listen to God, that he and I have very long and elaborate conversations. Now, sometimes I try this and nothing happens at all. I don't get past you know, second, second, second Corinthians chapter 18, which doesn't exist. But other times, God can speak to a very specific situation by drawing verses out of the scripture, placing those in your mind. What I say to you is when these things pop into your head, sometimes it thinks you feel like you're saying this to yourself. Maybe you are. Or maybe it's God speaking to you. Another way of doing this is just in conversation. Often when I'm doing the ironing, that's my job on a Sunday afternoon is to iron the school uniforms ready for the week. I'll be talking to God, just having a conversation with him, just saying what's on my heart and my mind. And as I iron things, sometimes God speaks back. Sometimes he tells very funny jokes. And we have a great conversation. I want to encourage you to think about that. Just spend that time in silence and listen for his voice. And then, of course, meditation. Meditation is one of those things that Christians have stopped doing, I think, because we're afraid of the Eastern religions and the New Age religions. But meditation is a Christian idea. Scripture tells us to meditate on the Scriptures. But our idea of the Christian idea of meditation is not the Eastern or the New Age idea. Their idea is to empty your mind. The idea of the Wester, the Christian idea of meditation, is to fill your mind with the things of God. Think about the things of God. To meditate on them. To ruminate on them. To chew on them. To activate the brain. And to think. So you might like to pick a verse from scripture and just say it over and over to yourself. Or think on that idea. To meditate is to think about God. To listen to what he is saying to us. Are there any questions this morning before I conclude? Anything I've said that you'd like to know more about or something you'd like to ask about? No, I don't see any hands. What I want to say to you this morning is that God God does not want slaves. And God will never override your ability to make choices. He wants friends, not slaves. And so in John chapter fifteen, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Listening to God, some people think that if I listen to God, he'll tell me exactly what to do every second of the day. God will say, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, this door, go through there, say these seven words, do this, as if God is laying out a set of marching plans. But that's not what it means to listen to God. And so often people want to listen for the exact message from God. What should I do exactly today? And God's message is, go and be my hands and feet in the world. And have fun on the way. Sometimes people think God has a specific A, B, C, D, E, F, G plan for me to do today. And if I skip over E and go straight to G, that I've messed up God's plan and that's the end of the world. I want to say to you that that's slave thinking. God doesn't want slaves. He wants friends. He wants people who will walk with him and work with him. And yes, he wants to talk to us. Yes, he wants to share with us. But God is not concerned whether you eat wheat bix or vita Brits in the morning. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you eat apples or oranges. That's not part of his business. He wants you to eat whatever brings you pleasure and joy whatever strengthens your body for his service. I do not think God is that overly concerned with those nitty-gritty minutiae of our life. He says, this is my will for you, go and do it. Have an adventure on the way. So if someone comes to you and says, what is it that God wants me to do with my life? I often do this with young people. A young man said to me a few weeks ago, I'm waiting for God to tell me what I should do next. And I said, well, this is what Jesus told his disciples to do. He said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And I think Jesus' word to his disciples is his word for us today. This is what I want you to do. Go and have fun with it. Go and have an adventure with God. If you're thinking you're waiting on God, should I be a teacher or a lawyer? Should I be a doctor or a nurse? Should I be whatever, whatever, whatever? God will work with you whatever choice you make as long as your choices are within his big will. God's big will is that the kingdom of God be proclaimed, that people be healed and set free. And If you're in that big will... It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer or a teacher or a taxi driver or a bus driver or someone who vacuums the floors. God doesn't care what your job is. He cares that you're going in his will and doing his wants, what he wants you to do. What does he want you to do? Proclaim the kingdom of God and set people free. God doesn't want slaves. He wants friends. He wants people who walk with him. And so this morning we've got that beautiful chorus. We sang it a few weeks ago. Silently now I wait for thee. We're going to sing this chorus and then just sit for a moment. Be aware of your body. If part of your body heats up or starts tingling. Perhaps there's someone here who needs prayer for that part of their body. Perhaps a word will pop into your head or a name. Perhaps God wants you to pray for that person. Or to think about that thing. Perhaps a scripture verse will pop into your head. In which case, open your Bibles and check it out. What is it that God is saying to you? And if that happens to you, I encourage you to share that with me. I'd love to talk to you about these things. We have a God who talks. A God who speaks. When we practice holy listening in the silence. Sit quietly for a moment. Hear what God is saying. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Father God, I want to thank you this morning that you are a God who speaks. Help us to be a people who listen. Father God, I pray that we would take time this week to be alone with you. To go into our rooms and shut the doors and block out the noise of the busyness of this world. To open our ears, open our hearts, and be aware of you. Father God, I thank you that you call us as your friends. Help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.